0: Welcome to this week's episode of Church Unscripted. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe uh, below. Hit the notification bell so you know when we're going to be online with new episodes. And comment, uh, like this post. We, we got some comments last week that were really beneficial. Um, this week, I have uh, Pastor Eric, Pastor David with me. And we're kind of talking about generosity, right, Eric? I mean, you were preaching on Generosity Sunday, Um And I know that it's kind of around Thanksgiving, we think of generosity a lot more, right? We're heading into... I think we already started Christmas season. Depends on which house you're in. You know, do you start Christmas decorations at the beginning of November, the end? When when do you do it? Well, that is the age-old debate,
1: isn't it? Like, <laughs> when do you put up Christmas? Some people are like, forget about fall. Forget about Thanksgiving. I'm going straight out of summer into into Christmas <laughs> you know, It's like and...
0: also Christmas music. You notice, oh, yeah. like, when the oh, stations yeah. start playing Christmas music, you know that's okay to play Christmas no, music? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, David, David's like, uh, it's a little sing-songy for me, yeah. right? Yeah. Day so for, uh, so no, every year... Uh-huh. I play one Christmas song, and my wife hates this Christmas song. It's, you know, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the jingly kind of song. She's uh, like, oh, it's such a terrible yeah. song. I can't he, stand but he it. Would be but a can
2: you Carey hit Mariah Yeah, no.
0: Yeah, let's see it. Let's see it right now. You guys know I can't <laughs> sing that. But as right. we're talking yeah. about generosity, yeah. we're coming into Christmas. And so maybe you can kind of summarize what you shared on Sunday and what yeah,
1: that was. absolutely. You know, it, it's um, – I don't know if it's appropriate or inappropriate time to share a message like this, because it really is uh, standing between the tension of, of a Thanksgiving holiday, where you're supposed to focus on the things you're thankful for, gratitude, those kind of emotions are meant to be at the surface. Uh, and then you're headed into Christmas, where it's again, um, um, you know, the, these thoughts of generosity, but also receiving and so forth. So I, th- I felt the conversation on generosity was appropriate, Uh, to kind of make sure that there's a biblical perspective in between those two holidays. And so Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about generosity, more often than not, we refer to it as the giving of money. And that very much is a a larger understanding of what generosity is, but it's not the only understanding. So generosity is whatever that is that I have, um, how is God calling me to use that for his purposes, for his glory? And that might mean that I need it myself. However, it might also mean that I can share or give to somebody else so that their need can be supplied by my plenty. And that's a huge theme throughout the New Testament. That's one of the markers of the early church in the book of Acts is they gave out of their plenty for the sake of satisfying the needs of those who didn't have anything. And so when you when you apply that to like a church environment, when, when churches ask people to be generous towards the church financially, um, it's not just um, we're asking you to be generous with your money, it's also we're asking you to be generous with your time and your talent and your testimony, which is what we've talked about before. But but given the time of the year, we felt it was important to focus exclusively on the treasure part. And so we talked a lot about being generous with our finances and how God might be calling us to use those things. And what we did is we kind of broke down generosity into different types of givers. There's the people who never give, and there's always two sides of the coin to that, those who won't give or cannot give. There's the tippers, the tithers, the investors, and then those who operate on a uh, god owns it all kind of mentality and so it's not just i'm going to hold hold my my money loosely so God can use it I'm going to hold everything I have loosely mm-hmm. so God can use it, including my cars, including my my uh, home, including my vacation mm-hmm. places, those things, so that he can use it to serve mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. and that was that was the general gist of so the the take home was simple it was I mean you know what is God asking you to to be generous with. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, you have to decide if he owns it all or you own it all. I'm sure we're going to get there in a minute, but.
0: Well, there's, there's a whole ton of things that I thought of as we were talking about generosity Mm -hmm. on Sunday. And um, so I'm going to, I'm going to pivot into a whole another area. I I like starting with a question that's either really easy or really hard or really out of nowhere. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with the really out of nowhere question a little bit. Okay. How do you think the principles of generosity that you shared on Sunday can be applied to our relationship with uh, and stewardship of our environment, our resources. What does that look like? You know, because you said primarily we talked about treasure, but what does that mean for our resources to steward that well, to be generous with mm-hmm. what we have? Um, I once heard someone, to, to, to kind of tell you where my mind's thinking is, I once heard someone say that there's 10 ways of you receiving something and like as far as income, but income's actually only one of them. So there's nine other ways that you can receive gifts from God. And um, you know some of that was outlined, like someone giving you a gift of like I'm going to take care of your kids for a few hours so you can go on a date or whatever. That's that's a gift of generosity. You don't have to pay someone to do that or whatever. So how do we how do we steward our resources in in environment uh, around us?
1: Oh, I think I think first of all you you've, you've got to evaluate your your current condition. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a lot of kids at home right now, you don't have a ton of time to give other other time or places or people, even though we, we should be generous with our time if we have it to give. Mm-hmm. But if you're retired and your kids are out of the house, then you say, you know, we've got time now because I'm not working, I'm not raising kids to go and serve in capacities that I've never been able to in the mm-hmm. past. And you're probably at a point in your life where you have more disposable income than you've ever had in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Your house was paid off, cars are paid off, mm-hmm. kids are through college. And so it's like, okay, now I've got a lot of time and I've got a lot more resources and I have a lot more passion, because hopefully at that stage of life, you've been walking with Jesus that long, so evaluate where you're at and not only what your resources are that you can be generous mm-hmm. with, but your capacity to be generous with those things. Mm.
2: does that make sense? yeah, okay. yeah, that's good my I always uh, have told my wife, I can't wait for the day that I have enough money that I can just give it away, but realistically, that's probably not going to happen <laughs> but uh, I was telling somebody that, and they were like, well generosity, we always, we always associate that with the magnitude of that generous gift. So like right now, if somebody needs a car, I can't buy you one. I want to buy you one. Mm -hmm. I just don't have the means to do that. But what I can do is give you a ride or I can, you know, there are things that I can do. And so I've had to shift my perspective to doing this in the way that like the, the generosity that I can give is not a great magnitude in the, in the scheme in the grand scheme of things but looking at what we do have and using that okay so i have a camera how can i serve somebody with a camera and be generous with that or how can i um how can we invite other families into our home to have a a meal that maybe they wouldn't have had or or whatever that looks like so i think it's everywhere Mm -hmm. i think we just associate it too much with Mm -hmm magnitude of generosity mm-hmm. and like you said evaluate where you're at because like we'd look at the widow in in scripture she gave two mites right uh and that was overly generous for her position and so i think that's the important thing as we look at our environment and stuff is just mm-hmm. evaluate what you can give and and do that
0: in, yeah. instead of his setting the bark too high where you're like i want to give $10,000 to this person, and say, okay, well, I can't give money, but what you need that costs $10,000, I can give you that. I can work on that, or Mm -hmm. I can mow a lawn, or Mm -hmm. I can do something for a widow maybe, or someone in need in our Mm -hmm. our community. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really important. Sometimes we get lost in the dollars and cents, like the spreadsheet sense, and you're like, oh, I don't have any money in my budget to give to church, or I don't have any money in my budget to be generous with others. Um, And the reality is, I think we have a lot more than we really realize. Um, and there's many times there's things that we have or have collected over the years, possessions that we can use for others mm-hmm. um, to benefit others. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you guys share a, maybe a personal experience of a time where you were challenged to give sacrificially and how it impacted your life and your faith?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I can give you those. <laughs> can I give you an example of where I was challenged to give and I didn't? Yeah, that's and, great and, too. And, I mean, yeah. great opportunity
0: to be like we're we're real people too, right? A-
1: absolutely. There was there was a challenge that was given. Um, this was not here at Brookside Church. This was at a church that we attended while we were in seminary. And you know, when you're in seminary, newly married, I mean, you just have tons of money to just fly away, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and so, but there was a challenge to to give to a certain cause and vision of the church, and it was something that we, we would love to have been a part of. And so, um, I do remember that was a year where we received uh, a gift from family that was a little bit larger for a Christmas or birthday or something like that, and it wasn't a ton, but I thought, you know what, I do have a little extra I could give to this so that I can be a part of what God's doing at this church that we love um, and I decided not to because I already had plans for that, and I don't know, you could debate on whether that was a right decision or not, or whether it was a whether I was being disobedient or not, but I have wondered ever since then, you know what? Even though it might have been a small gift, um, was that an opportunity for me to be faithful with what I had in my hand, not what I didn't have that some other people did have, but what I did have? Um, and, I, and I simply decided not to follow through on being faithful with that. And that, that's kind of stuck with me ever since then.
0: Well, you know, I heard a similar, similar person talking about how everything you've been given is a gift, right? We Mm -hmm. believe it's all gods. And so if you're given a gift, say of $1,000, you should give as a result of that, whether you believe in like tithe 10% or whatever, but you should give as a result to even your gifts. And some people are like, well, that's not income. Right. You know, but the reality is, no, it was given to you by God. Isn't that still yeah. the same, yeah. like yeah. same, same thing? I don't know how yeah. you tithe half of a freezer when someone gives
1: you a freezer or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right, right,
0: right. um, well, yeah. I estimate the cost of this yeah, at a garage no, sale. You know, like, how do you figure that out? But
1: no, you don't. One, one of the things that happened to my family not too long ago, we were very, very humbled by it. Uh, there was a lady in our church who um, didn't have much at all. And she came across something of what she would consider a windfall. And it wasn't a huge windfall, but for her condition, it was a windfall. You know what she wanted to do? She not only gave a portion of that to the church she was serving in, but she drove up from two hours away. On the way, she stopped at a grocery store. I think it was Aldi's. And she picked out just a whole bunch of snacks and trinkets and stuff. And then she comes into our house, sits down at our kitchen table and is beaming over the privilege of giving my kids these snacks and these little trinkets. Yes. And I mean, there wouldn't be a whole lot to, I mean, they wouldn't mean much to anybody, right? You can just go buy a snack wherever you want to. But for her, she had the opportunity with this small windfall to just bless us. Mm. And I thought, whoa, that was yeah. really cool. And so I think that is, that is a a great image of generosity, even though the amount or the magnitude of it wasn't huge, but in terms of her faithfulness and desire to serve, that was big. That was a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Uh, I, I was thinking of, I'm trying to think of one. Um, I think the most recent one that we have, uh, have seen is, uh, our basement exploded. I mean, not exploded, but we had a lot of work done to it, right? we got to work on so his we, language. We've got, yeah. It exploded? <laughs> it felt but, like it exploded. Uh,
0: yeah. was, there a, was there a bathroom down no, there? Like, no, no, no,
2: no. The walls, you know, they're just caving in. But uh, So we, we had to take on, essentially, it's a second mortgage almost, right? Um, and that was right around the time of day giving last year. And we had, we had both agreed to give an amount to the church for day of giving. Um, and then we got the news on the basement and it was, again, it was one of those where it's like, well, that's going to be a lot of money. I don't know if we should give that to the church. And we we did and it wasn't an easy gift. I, I would say that's the hardest gift I've ever given. Um, but to see the... I know you're not supposed to give to get, you know, that's, this is not a prosperity thing, but to see the blessing that we've received from our church and from the people around us as I wouldn't say it's as a result of that gift, but it, it feels like it's connected in some way. And so I would say like it, it is kind of cool to give in those moments where you're like, I don't really have any money to give, but I feel like I'm being called to do it and do it and just see what happens. Um, and the Lord has been faithful to provide. So why wouldn't I give, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think of, there was a, there was a giving campaign to get rid of a, uh, a mortgage. We just recently did that here at Brookside, but mm-hmm. I've been part of those before and it never really got me really passionate because I was just like, okay, it's a mortgage. I've got a mortgage. Why am I going to pay more of the church's mortgage? <laughs> someone, someone decided to get this mortgage, right? Everyone thinks about this, this mortgage was before my time, yeah. you know, or whatever. And um i just remember thinking that there was a situation where we had been given some money it wasn't really a lot like you know it's like everything's a windfall when you're not usually given money Mm -hmm. you know like and i thought yeah we don't need this and then i just wrote a check for the whole amount and i thought to myself i'm like am i crazy like later i was like am i crazy and then i realized when it all came out because you know i was pastor and we're looking at numbers. I'm like, I just gave like 10% of this offering (laughs) for this thing. And I'm like, like, wait a second. Was that too much? Cause I know there's people that make a lot more money than I do as the pastor here. What does this look like? And I remember thinking like, that's what it was. That's not what it was about. It was about the fact that I was like, we need to do this. And I talked with my wife and she's like, I don't see why not. And she doesn't really have the same, um, I guess, pressure I'd feel for like, okay, I need to provide. I need to make sure we pay our bills and stuff. And so she didn't have any issue with it. Probably would have said yes to anything, which maybe that's a credit to her. But, um, but I think in that moment, I started to realize like, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, sometimes it's actually the best way to give and the best way to be generous. Like when you feel uncomfortable, like the reason you feel uncomfortable about that story you brought up of the past was because you were uncomfortable, but it taught you to give still you know what I'm saying? So sometimes when we don't give, we realize we need to give mm. because of that as a result afterwards. So, Absolutely. Yeah. um, so it, it, maybe, maybe pivoting a little bit off that, uh, in what ways do you think the church can better address issues of poverty and inequality in our society? And when I say poverty, I, I mean financial resources or, or resources in general, mm. is there ways that the church can address that better? I mean, through generosity
1: I think, I think a church needs to have a very clear and healthy uh, budget, uh, which includes how do we give to the people who are poor and needy. I mean, Scripture is pretty clear. Jesus says, uh, no, true and pure religion is when you take care of mm-hmm. an orphan, which is two very, very clear pictures of poverty, especially mm-hmm. in that day. And so I think if your church has the ability of of providing those kind of funds either by, not, not I'm not suggesting you just, just give out cash. That's very irresponsible. Mm-hmm. But you partner with organizations where there is some mm-hmm. very clear and uh, accessible help for people in need. And we fortunately live in a day and in a time and in a place uh, where there is so much help out there. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think a church has to say, we're gonna tackle poverty all by ourselves. Yeah. That's, that's again, irresponsible. Mm-hmm. It's how do we partner with other organizations and then take some of the offering that we receive as a church to help financially support those organizations so that um, we don't have to be a one-stop mm-hmm. shop for every need out there. And we can just uh, point people towards places that, that can really help them far better than we mm-hmm. as, as just a church mm-hmm. can
2: do. Yeah. I think one of the things that, that has always impacted me about Brookside since we've been here is the care fund. Um, we do that when we take communion and I think that's a beautiful picture of a body of Christ kind of helping the less fortunate and maybe those that are in need that can't afford whatever they are facing Um, because you're taking, you know, six, 700 people that gave a dollar. Well, that's $600. Like you may only be able to afford a dollar, but as a church, we're able to say, okay, now we have $600 to then Bless this person, or make sure this person gets the counseling that they need, or whatever that is. Uh, So, I think that's a great way for churches, especially Brookside, uh, to partner together as individuals, giving to one fund that then is helping other people, because then the dollar, your little investment actually Mm -hmm. goes further because you're partnering it with the investment of others. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: So let me go a little bit deeper on that. Okay, we're gonna dive deep because I think you said Sunday, God owns everything. That's kind of the mentality of this super generous giver. So how do you reconcile God owning everything and the disparities we see around us? I mean, there's clearly people that are impoverished. Mm. There's drug addiction. There's all these things that people are struggling with in our society. How do we reconcile that God owns everything And if he does, why isn't it more equal? I don't know if that's the way to say it. I'm not saying I'm a
1: communist. I'm just saying, like... Just because God owns it all doesn't mean it, it does not have the potential of being corrupted. And that's what we have seen, especially at the beginning in the garden. I mean, everything good that God created, Satan has been working tirelessly ever since then to yeah. corrupt it mm-hmm. and break it. And so we see that also in the financial system and so forth, as well as the economic status mm-hmm. and the disparity between people and the world around us. And And that's why the the picture of the early church is a is a great image of how God's designed to redeem and reclaim his creation, his systems um, actually works. Because in the early church, um, it, it, it clearly says people took houses or property or fields that they owned and they sold it and then took the money, the prophets, and put it at the feet of the apostles mm-hmm. and said, hey, use this to help people. Yeah. Now, when they lied
0: about it, they were struck
1: When mad. they lied about <laughs> it, that was a big problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, look up Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. That's, that's not a good yeah. new story. But I think I think what God is saying is I do own it all. Mm. And the way that I'm going to redeem the world and my created order that Satan has corrupted mm. is by the willing and free Generosity of the church. Mm. So over time, if the economy, if the society around us becomes even more disparaging in terms of poverty and wealth, then that really is something of an indictment on the church for not, um, um, in a sense, managing the resources he given us well enough so that we can use them for our needs as well, but then also help other people in need yeah. um, as much as we can. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think I we.
2: I, I think some of that is too like. When we look at generosity, we look at finances, we look at all that stuff, we think we need a lot more than we actually need. And so that, that hinders us from being able to help other people to look out. Because in the early church, they're looking to get food on the table and shelter over their heads. Now we're looking to get the newest car, the newest gaming system, the newest phone, the new, you know all the things that bring you status. Um, And so it it does make it harder to live in this society with the actual just basic needs because we don't live around that. And so I I think that's almost a hindrance to uh, us being able to to fight some of those things.
0: mm -hmm. Well, so I mean, even when you talk about culturally, like intercultural different differences, I mean, there's cultures that you know there might be 12 to 15 people living in a four-bedroom house mm-hmm. and to us we're like oh it's cramped and there our two kids are just just going crazy you know you know what I'm yeah. saying like so there is a a difference of understanding uh, mm-hmm. maybe a, a expectation of cost of living and things like that and and I do think um, if anything Christians need to realize what is most important and internally internally significant so if if something's not eternally significant it's a lot harder for me to have any justified case that I really need it, um, yes, it is significant that we have clothes on our back, <laughs> that we have shelter, you know I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, I'm right. just saying I think there is a lot more things. maybe it's the uh, that we need three boats instead of two boats. I don't know, yeah. like I mean those kind of things but. John
1: John Wesley is famous for quote for a quote, and he said, um, he encouraged his followers, you know, earn all the money that you can earn and save all the money you can save so that you can give all the money you can give. Mm. And so he, Uh I mean, Jesus is not against hard work. He's not against growing your wealth. Right, right. He's not against your 401k. What he's saying is the larger the 401k you have, the more you're actually able to be generous. Yeah. And the harder you work, um, the more money you make, you can actually have a bigger impact on people. So he's not saying the church needs to be destitute. Right, right. That's not scriptural. That's it's yeah. you need i mean if i have a bigger nest egg now i have a longer opportunity to be right. generous with it yeah.
2: and to care for the other people within yeah. that body yeah. i think that's the thing is we just need to be looking out for the good of others mm-hmm. more than we're looking for ourselves
0: well it's really you know i think this the core of generosity is really seeing a need meeting a need in some ways and that's even what the church does so when you give to the church we're meeting a need in our community a spiritual need Maybe, maybe uh, an emotional need, maybe a community need, whatever it might be, but it's still a need. And sometimes I think we uh, delegate that. I mean, I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I think this is important. We delegate our generosity. So we say, okay, if I, if I give to the church or if I show up on Sunday mornings, then the rest of the week, I don't really need to be generous. So what would you say to someone that says, well, I'm already generous enough. Pastor Eric, I don't know what else you, you can have me do. Like i don't yeah, know what else.
1: generosity can't be compartmentalized you can't say it's for this time place and day only it's it's a lifestyle so generosity is never meant to be a moment or an event it's mm. meant to be this is the way that my faith is expressed in my everyday life and so generosity might look different on sunday as it does on monday but it's still generosity mm. so so it's not something we do it's who we are absolutely
2: okay yeah. okay that, that's
1: that's why when Um, I might've even referenced it, I think I did. It says, yeah, I did. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say, God loves it when you cheerfully give. Mm -hmm. He says, he defines the person as a giver. So God loves a Mm -hmm. cheerful giver. It's kind of the Mm -hmm. way that you're being identified. Mm -hmm.
0: So let's pivot a little bit because one of the things that people get accused of is like some type of prosperity gospel when they talk about money, right? Mm -hmm. So how would you respond to the criticism that churches often focus too much on money or material possessions? Because you mentioned that John Wesley quote. And I mean, someone could misuse that and say, well, God says you were going to be rich if you pray more and give more, right? And so what, what would you say to someone like that? I mean, both of you, I, I think this is an important topic.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, that's <laughs> a good question. I, I guess I was just thinking about like the, the idea of the prosperity gospel and the things like that. And I think what happens when you're generous When you have more and you give more, you recognize, um, I don't don't know, I feel more aware of needs when I'm generous. Mm -hmm. So when I'm not giving to get something, I'm giving because I see something that's perhaps breaking my heart or something that's not right and I want to give to that. I'm not giving to that thing so that I have more possessions in my, like, so that somebody would give to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think a lot of it is the heart that we approach generosity with.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's... I mean, you, you, you can't avoid it. I mean, generosity is a primary theme throughout all of Scripture, Old mm-hmm. and New Testament. Yeah. And if you want to get specific on money, I mean, there are people who would say that there are two, over 2,000 verses uh, that at least reference money or mm-hmm. possessions if it's not directly related to it. And so if, if you're going to preach- That's pretty through, significant though, Eric. Oh, I mean, huge. over 2,000 mm-hmm. verses, yeah. It's you. I mean, if, if you're going to preach through Scripture uh, and you avoid- resources, money, mm-hmm. generosity, there's not much scripture left to be preached on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you're right. It's, it's all goes back to your motivation yeah. and mentality. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, if that's not in the right spot, then it doesn't matter what you do with your money. Yeah. It's it's going to be for the wrong purposes. I find it
2: interesting that I was thinking about that as you were saying that Jesus uh, tells someone who wants to follow him, sell all your possessions, then come and follow me. And he's like, well, I can't sell my possessions because whatever. <laughs> Well, I think what Jesus is addressing is the heart. Like if you're willing to give up everything because you have Jesus, Mm -hmm. then that's the heart that we need to be at. Jesus isn't asking the guy to live on the streets. He's saying to pursue Jesus, to pursue himself over all of those riches and then be satisfied in Jesus. And then everything else is just an external blessing, not connected to some kind of weird like give and get. Well, but then you also have Zacchaeus,
0: which he unprompted is generous Mm -hmm. and he does more than Jesus would probably have asked for. I mean, Mm -hmm. essentially. And so I think, I think there is, there's a lot of difficulty because I think some people are like, oh, well... I went to church and they talked about money and now every time I hear about money in church, I'm triggered, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And I, I think that's unfair because God really does want our heart. Um, and maybe, maybe that's a sign and a reflection mm-hmm. of our culture in America, yeah. um, of material prosperity, money. Um, I can't think of a time where I've watched a advertisement that didn't say your life mm-hmm. will be better if you buy this. Yeah. Your life will be better. I mean, and I feel like our testimonies are really a walking advertisement of Jesus. So if our generosity is, well, this money doesn't matter to me as much as you do. I care about more about you and your soul than yeah. I do care about this money. And, so. and
2: honestly, Eric, I think you covered that really well. I always get nervous with money talks at church too, because I'm, I'm like, oh, they're just gonna do the whole, you know, give me your money thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But the way that you, you, you actually said that, you said, we're not after your money. We're after your heart, and you're talking about worship and the lifestyle of generosity, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important. I think talking about money in church has got a bad rap, but I I, I thought that the way that you approached it was very helpful and uh, not so shaming. You did yeah. say don't feel shit well, like a hundred yeah. times. I think, <laughs> I know. Maybe that's why I think, <laughs> I think somebody else said that, a... I'm like,
1: wow, how many times did I really say that? This is yeah. this is a really
0: good pivot to what I was just gonna I was gonna ask is how can we ensure the act of giving and generosity does not become performative or driven by mm-hmm. pride, but remains an authentic expression of love and worship? <laughs> like when you said that, <laughs> well, I was I, like, that's a perfect. I question feel like
2: that. I feel like not uh, not talking about how generous you are is probably one of the good indicators because i think it's it's easy to feel pride in the amount that you can give like you know Mm -hmm. what i mean i think that's why scripture says you know money is the root of all evil and all that it's not that money is bad but it it can cause you to begin to think like oh man i gave i gave a hundred thousand dollars away this year like i'm pretty legit like you know what i mean so i think it's protecting that um Kind of the whole, like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Like, I think generosity in its purest form is just seeing, like you said, seeing something and acting upon it without even really making it a big deal. Well, and, and
0: I think what money does is it gives you an inflated sense of self that's not driven by you being made in the image of God. Mm-hmm you're basically finding your worth in something separate from Jesus Christ, separate from God. And I think that's really the struggle. Um, You know, you guys had this experience. Uh, I was at a church in another country and everyone gave up front. There was this basket up front, right? You ever see this? And they're just waving their dollar bill or whatever, you know, and they come up front and they drop it in and they go back to their seat. And then the same person comes up with another dollar bill and puts it down like, well, this is like a little crazy. Everyone's dancing up in here. It's not exactly how we do it at Brookside, right? But you can start that tradition. I'm not going to dance with a basket up front. But here's the thing is, like, I started to realize, like, that was culturally what they did. But that culture was just a little bit corrupted because people are doing it out of pride they're like I'm gonna go up there four times I may be giving fifty cents each time but I'm gonna go up there four times so people can see that I'm dropping something in that basket mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much it is mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much it matters to me or how much it, it's valued so I think I think some ways <coughs> um, that's what people outside the church are uh, not the word antagonistic but just re- repulses them you know and so maybe mm-hmm. maybe there's a better way. I don't know.
1: Like the people that I know who are not just the most generous people I know, but also the wealthiest people I know, uh, they don't want their generosity to be broadcast. Mm-hmm. Every time they give a significant gift, um, they say, don't tell anybody who's given it. And I was like, that's really cool. Um, and so I did, I, I don't think it's a matter of how much wealth you have. It's a matter of, again, the state of your heart. And, And I think there are some people, and I just applaud them for this, who have worked their entire life and they have built up a significant amount of wealth. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing to be ashamed with that about. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to apologize for that about. But they're at a point now where they recognize... God has led them into a season where they have the capacity of being extremely generous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they are now looking for the opportunity because like you and me, like us, we're like, that'd be great if we could just say, here's a $10,000 yeah. check, take it, you know? And now they're at a place they can do that. Mm-hmm. And they relish the privilege of being generous. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think God is so proud of them again, not because mm-hmm. of the amount they're giving, but because they are embracing this call mm-hmm. on their life in this season yeah. to, to be extremely generous in ways that so many other people can't be. Yeah. And that's just a cool thing to see. Yeah. And so I don't want anybody who has any kind of wealth watching this or listening yeah. to this in any way feel shamed for being wealthy. Right. That is a gift that God has given them. And the Bible says it's the God who gives people the ability to build wealth. Mm. And if he's given you the ability to be wealthy, then don't get arrogant about it. Mm. Don't again well, have But the there's nothing to ashamed compl- of, yeah. Absolutely. But say, all right, God, if you've given me this ability, then present to me the opportunities mm. so that I see oh, them and yeah. say, all right, I'm going to be faithful mm. and I'm going to drop more generosity in that area than most other people can. So yeah. I, I
0: think of the story, this, yeah. this person's not a believer, but he still lives in the same house he bought in the 60s. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. He lives in Omaha. He lives in this older house. I think when he bought it, it was... A hundred thousand dollars, which was a lot in the '60s, yep. but he still lives in the same house. Has not done much with it. Nothing. He had to put in a gate, I think, because people kept trying to come to his house, right? But now he's worth what? One hundred twenty billion. Hundred. I, I mean, guy's worth. He could buy the land on a thousand hills. You know. You know. <laughs> um, and I think I think there's something we get lost in is when we get lost in wealth and our heart becomes corrupted in that Mm -hmm. we don't think like that we feel shame for Mm -hmm. the fact that we have wealth like christians tend to shame wealthy people but the reality is god has granted us an opportunity Mm -hmm. like if we're a believer we know that money's not going with us and you know the thing that matters the most is his kingdom so Mm -hmm. that means we can give even more generously than we ever expected Mm and mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about living within our means because that's easy. Yeah. And so it's it's a, it's yeah. a different challenge. I mean, it, deciding it some people say this, this sounds so like like the cynical end of things is like, "Oh, well you have to decide where to give." It's like, "Yeah, but you get to." Like that's exciting. Yeah. Like it should be it should be encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um and the opportunity to do that when you don't have a lot, you know, you were talking about being in seminary and I remember being in seminary and I went to church and I would give and I'm like thinking, oh man, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm giving off of my loans. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like I'm paying interest oh, yes. on this. Like, like, does God want me to pay interest uh, off my state uh, yeah. loans? You, like, that church there's? would probably be like, dude, keep your money and pay it off. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. But that's, but I mean, there is an opportunity. And I still remember there was a, there's a, a famous NFL quarterback that um, had gotten a, a deal for like 125 million and people knew he was a Christian. So they asked him what he was gonna do with the money. And he's like, well, at first I'm gonna tithe. And they're all like, you know, the news media is just like going nuts. And he told a story, he said, when I was in college, I would get a stipend check of $700 a month. And I took that stipend check and I tithed on the stipend check. And I've been faithful for giving since I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so if he can give, he, he, he will give you the $700. And then if he gives you the 125 million that this guy got, like he still was gonna be faithful to it. He's like, I'm not gonna not give.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like if anything, I may give more out of that. I don't need all this. Yeah. And I think that's what's important for us to understand is mm. whether we have a little or a lot, God has given what we have yeah. and all of it is his. So we need to be yeah. generous with whatever we have. So it's not, mm. the, only th- the only people that are looking at the wealth picture is us. Mm-hmm. It's not God. God's not looking at us as, oh, you're wealthy, you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's looking at us as like children of God, mm-hmm. That he wants to have genu- genuinely pursue him mm. with generosity. So yeah.
2: I, think it's I was really important. thinking one of the like some of the most wealthy people I know have the most humble beginnings. Right? Like I feel like that's the that's the story of most wealthy people is like they came from nothing and now they have everything. And so I think it's important on our journey whether we're whether we have nothing or we have a lot to just remember the. To remember, like you were saying, like tithing on the on the stipend check, like to carry that heart through and to constantly just check yourself on if I had a if I had one hundred twenty five million dollars, would I give off of that or would I grab it? And I think it's yeah. just right. keeping your heart in check and really, yeah, kind of thinking through that. I think we forget the fact that that what really propelled the gospel you know beginning with jesus
1: ministry through the book of acts and into the new testament church and beyond i mean a critical component of that was the message of jesus right yeah. mm-hmm. but it was all funded somehow mm-hmm. Jesus' ministry was able to be done because he gathered around himself people who would have various differences in in wealth, but who all gave to support that ministry. Mm -hmm. I mean, the apostle Paul, I mean, he was able to plant churches all over the place because people supported that ministry. And then when one church was suffering, another church that he planted would give generously to that church to keep Mm -hmm. it going. Uh, and, And the gospel moves on the general, not just on the message, yeah. it moves on the generosity of the people to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and there's, I mean, s- so many of the significant names that we have read in scripture, mm. were are wealthy people, not so that we can say that I gotta be wealthy like them, but to show that God gives people the gift of, ge- of wealth so that they can be, I mean, King David, I met, read it this week. The Bible says he gave over 3000 talents of gold. I reference that as 401k, but that's a ton of money. Yeah. And he gave it so the temple could be built. Uh, Ananias, um, yeah, not Ananias Society, Priscilla and Aquila in the New yeah. Testament. Yeah. They partnered up with Paul and they were wealthy. Yeah. They supported him. Um, and there was a church that met in their house. How big does your house have to be to host a church?
0: Um, so I think about like this, giving is turning something that is not eternally significant, money, into something eternally significant because we, we, can, love that we can purchase and communicate the gospel in more ways. The more resources we have, and when we use the word resource, I'm just going to say it's money. Mm-hmm. And so, if we're if we're doing that, we're taking something that doesn't matter as much to us and making it something that matters to God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's something that would drive the heart of generosity. And, yeah. and I, I think it's really important. Yeah. So I I don't know if you guys have more thoughts on this, but I think this is a, this is a good st- as time as any to uh, finish today. I mean, I, a lot I would about I would just
1: um, last thought I would just say let me remind people to to remember some of those take homes. Which let me just read through them really quick. You know, decide on who owns what you have. You've got to decide on if you own it or if God owns your wealth yeah. and your stuff. And then you got to decide on what you can give in your heart. God's not saying you got to yeah. give this much. That's That's religious legalism. That doesn't work. He's saying, I want you to figure out how generous you want to be. Mm -hmm. And I'll bless Mm -hmm. you in response. And then their request was simply to partner with us. Mm -hmm. Um, How can they come alongside, not just other organizations they want to financially support, but their own home church Mm -hmm. so that they can be invested in and support uh, the vision that God is building right here.
0: Well, and I I think that's really important is because some of us maybe are walking through, we've never decided what to give. Mm -hmm. Um, We've never connected that, Mm-hmm. Um, our finances and how we give also can affect eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we're chasing after the shiny things that says your life's gonna be better if you buy this, you know? And I think God's giving us an opportunity, especially at Brookside, to have a real kingdom impact for eternity. So yep. I'm excited about that. Well, this week has been a great week talking about generosity. And we probably could be here and talk for hours on this. Um, generosity is a, a topic that is very important in the Christian walk, um, giving both um, financially, but also of our time, talents, um, and skills, and the, all the skills that we have. Um, we're excited about uh, this next week. We're starting in December. And we're starting a new series, right? Right, Eric? Yeah. Okay. So um, we love to hear from you. So if you can comment below or, um, like button or hit the notification bell, um, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. We're almost in one year of episodes. I feel like we need to have a party the last episode of the year. I'm excited. Um, we're excited for, uh, Church Unscripted this year. Um, so please remember to partner with us at Brookside Church.